Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. KXNO. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Iowa State football was looking for help after the early departure of Akeem Butler to the NFL draft. They found it yesterday after landing a commitment from Arkansas grad transfer LaMichael Petway. The six foot two receiver had 30 catches for 499 yards last season, along with four touchdowns for the Razorbacks. Petway will be immediately eligible for ISU. To baseball from yesterday, Yoan Moncada gets it going early for the White Sox. Yohan hits it high in the air, deep to right field. Naquin is back. This is once again out of here. The call from NBC Sports Chicago is the White Sox win it 9-1 over the Indians. The Twins were in Toronto to face the Blue Jays. Blast to center field. Grichuk is going back. He's got no chance. Into the batter's eye. Rosario with his American League leading 12th home run of the season for the Twins win it 8-0 behind Martin Perez's seven innings of two-hit ball, giving up no earned runs. After sweeping the Cardinals, the Cubs welcomed in Miami, but it didn't go the way you'd expect. And ball four, the Marlins have tied it on a bases-loaded walk. Ground ball. Oh, the play at second by Bodie. He only has the one play at first, however, and Bernie is going to score. Oh, Ryan comes up with it. And he did. Oh, yeah, he did. The ball home. With the Cubs' loss, the Cardinals regained first place in the NL Central with a 6-0 win over the Phillies. Yadi Molina gets it started for the Cards. And the 2-2, smoked out to deep left field. Hits at the wall, gone! Home run, Yadi. The call from Fox Sports Midwest. Cardinals and Phillies game two tonight, 6:45 first pitch. Hear the game on 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 14-6-0. The heart is a blue. Condon, welcome back. Moving into the second hour of the program. We're going to talk some NBA. Josh Martin will join us. We're going to go to St. Louis, do a little on the Gateway City. And there are two sports teams both playing in downtown St. Louis tonight. The Blues in a Game 7. The Cardinals against the Phillies as they try to take Game 2 of that series after shutting out the Phillies last night by a score 6 to zip. There is some news um, the, the horse that was moved up, elevated to the wind spot in the Kentucky Derby country house, mm-hmm. uh, he's out of the Preakness. What? He's sick. He's not going to the Preakness, which makes the owners of the Triple Crown second race sick as well. I mean, yeah. there is, ooh, this is, this is a blow. I mean, it's happened in the past. It hasn't happened in this century. Okay. I think it happened in, um, in the nineties, but it doesn't happen very often at all. And it's usually, this, right? It's sickness, yeah. yeah. There was one time um, in 1985, I'm not going to tell you this, nobody <laughs> cares, uh, 1985. It did happen it with did an injury. Happen. 
it did happen with an injury, but a, but a, but another track, a track that was closing in New Jersey, threw all of this money at the Derby winner to come and race here at our track, Garden State, and the guy that owned the Derby winner owned the track in New Jersey, so he said, you know, screw ah. screw the Triple Crown, I'm running at my track. That's what happened. The horse's name was Spend a Buck. Um, Sorry. <laughs> Spend a buck, lose a buck, huh? No, he made a lot of bucks. Oh. He made a lot of bucks. But um, anyway, so Country House is out of the Preakness. There will be no Triple Crown winner. And if there would have been, he would have had a great big old fat asterisk beside him anyways. You you asked me something I, I did think was interesting. Winning in that fashion. If you are a stable that owns the horse. Mm-hmm. If trainer. You, trainer. You mentioned the trainer. This was his Bill Mott. His first. He's a Hall of Famer. It's his first Derby win. He's tried a number of times, but unable to get there. Because every time that you go back and want to see that race, you're not hearing right the announcers say, "Trent, it's it's yes, you're right. Your horse finished second. Would you? I, I mean, your ring toad on your phone. I'd have the MP3 of the guy call it. <laughs> that's not going to be the case. I it, it's. It's a really interesting dynamic. I know that uh, Jason Luch was on with the Fanatics yesterday, and I meant to listen. It was 5.15. And driving into work today, I remember that I meant to listen because I wanted to hear, you know, was Jason asked, Jason's run horses in the Derby a number of times. Yep. Would you want your first Derby win to come via disqualification? Well, you wouldn't want it to be. Well, but if, no, of course not. The answer is no, you wouldn't. But if if that's how your first Derby came, man... Would it feel I hollow? Would, yes, that's the answer. Is absolutely yes. Don't yeah. you think? I, I would think so. I mean, this yeah. if now if the twenty would have been the one that was interfered with, that's a different story. Great point. Yes. Yeah. If, yeah. If the if the winner caused the the runner up to lose all chance, mm-hmm. then you take it because you probably maybe would have run by. Country House wasn't getting by this horse. He had no trouble in this race whatsoever. And now the Preakness winner is out. So, not good news for uh, for horse racing, no doubt about that. All right, let's move on to NBA, because we're going to talk NBA coming up here with Josh Martin. Two mm-hmm. game fives tonight in both of these series. Um, I think it's a split. If I had to guess, I think the road team wins the late game, and the Raptors hold serve, at his, what's that building now called? Scotia Bank Place? Scotia Place? Yeah, you got it. It is, right? Scotia what? Scotia Bank Arena. Scotia Bank Arena. Scotia, when I was a kid, there was three banks. There was Bank of Montreal, uh-huh. Toronto Dominion, which is TD, I think, now, and Scotia Bank. So huh. they they were always like the way, nobody banked there. <laughs> um, and now? Apparently, they got some money. They must be doing pretty well. So I think the Raptors win, if I had to guess. Raptors win. Because I don't know how Embiid's going to... I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get with him. Favored by six. They favored by six. It's a big number. That's a big number. Uh, I think they're going to win. But I every think... time we say that number feels a little big, they end up covering. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I might lay the points in this one. Now, what do you, what do you get if I wanted to take Portland? Plus four and a half. Money line, probably one plus 130, 135? No, no, more than that, I wouldn't think. I like Portland tonight. I do. I like, Boy, Monte I like Morris to be make some shots. Yes. I mean, they, they are laying off him and letting him They're, do his thing. Trent, he, they, his minutes are way down because he can't shoot. Well, and the other thing is because Murray's well, Murray's so well. been great. Yeah. yeah right. I mean, during overtime, the four-overtime game, he didn't see the floor because they were going out there. Mm-hmm. They actually substituted Murray out a couple of times because he's so bad defensively at times mm. that they pulled him out a couple of times. I think it was the... Third, maybe it's the fourth overtime. I'll take your word for they it. They all kind of ran together there by the end of yeah. it. But, um, yeah, you're right. Monte hit a shot, mm. hit a couple of shots, and 
open. That's that is the difference for him, though. And we yeah, talked they, they about this. They want him past. to shoot the basketball yeah. now. At this I mean, point, they want the him play. to shoot. Right. Let him shoot. Uh huh. Don't let him get in driving lanes. Right. Don't don't get driving kicks. He'll hurt you in that avenue. Now the assist to turnover ratio is still Monte Morris like. How how does one guy? I mean, this was from his freshman year all the way through his collegiate mm-hmm. career. How can because this isn't something we see with anybody. Well, do you remember early on the narrative was, well, wait till Kane's gone. Right. You yes. Know? I remember it well. Yeah. A different story. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. He, it got was able to, he got better. Yes. It got better and uh-huh. better. I mean, you're talking six, seven to one mm-hmm. assist to turnover ratio. The guy that was a high volume. Now, he had a lot of good talent around him. Yeah. And we're seeing that at the NBA, too. But we don't see this any. But, I mean, Jones at Duke, he didn't have that. Mm, no. No. Morris was special. He really was. He re- yeah. You're never going to see a guy probably in a cycling uniform, that will be able to be that kind of facilitator. Boy, they had some players, though, didn't they, Trent? To to me, I still think Royce White was the most dominant college basketball player in the 23 years that I've been on the air. And that was the... Hoiberg was... No, he was gone, but he was getting his number retired. Um, I think Royce White's the answer. Played at the highest level. was terrific. Tinsley was unbelievable. But Royce White, to me, was... You know, when they played Kentucky and he looked at his bench and said, I'm the best player on the floor. Yes. I mean, the hair in the back of my neck stood up. It's true. It was true. It was true. Remember how he got there? He drove, somebody, his uncle drove him to Louisville. Remember that he wouldn't fly? Oh, yeah, yeah I remember car. that. Yeah. He got in the car and he, and, and he was driven there. Good God, he was unstoppable. So good. What could have been with him? Now he's playing in the big three. I saw that. And isn't he doing some um, MMA stuff too? Didn't, isn't he involved in that? Oh, I didn't see that. I think he is. But yeah, he was the first pick in the uh, in the big three, uh, and I brought that up just because DeAndre Kane was so dominant in his year too. Good, God, he was. But it, it, as we were talking with Alex Halstead earlier, and you brought up age, you know, and mm-hmm. age that becoming Kane. such a factor. It's it's a great thing right now for Taylor Horton Tucker because he's eighteen, and right. you feel like there's still a whole lot of upside to his game at the next level. Mariel Shayok, who obviously is a better player right now right. than Taylor Horton Tucker. But he doesn't have the wingspan that Taylor Horton Tucker mm-hmm. does. And he doesn't have that six years of growth that you would think in there. Do you think if he is a late first-round pick, Taylor Horton Tucker, that he's a stash guy, though? Yes. He can't play in the league next year. I wouldn't think so. I don't think so. Don't you think... give him a call up in December. Right. You know, get him a few games He'll there. He'll be 18 when the season starts. It's nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> Listening to the uh, go back to Hawaii. By the way, Iowa State's going to, where did I see today? The Emerald Classic Emerald Coast Classic in and that's what Northwest Florida yes. in 2020 and they played in that a few years back I, I want don't to remember say too. did Maybe, they yeah, or was that years or did they get moved to a tournament that you're thinking of because no of that, the, that was a different one yeah I know what you're talking and about they there. went to the Carolinas right after yes. the tournament in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico was, yeah. was canceled and understandably so. Um, yeah, I saw, that. I saw that this morning. Anyways, we'll take a timeout. Josh Martin's going to talk NBA with Trent and I. The NBA is good, folks. It's been really good this round of the playoffs. I mean, we've got, what, um, three series now tied at two. The one series is 3-1. That's the Celtics mm-hmm. um, and the and the Bucks. What is the... What would, would the, be the worst thing for the NBA as far as final? Toronto and who? Toronto, not Houston, not Golden State... Is it Denver or Portland? I think Portland's Portland. a smaller market. I think Portland. I think so, too. Portland Raptors. Oh, my God. Is that a reality? It's got a chance. 
With the I way, don't think so, but the way this Warriors Rocket series is going, and if it does go seven, which it feels like it's heading to, there's the winner of this is still the favorite. Yes, but, but going through this series and the physicality and and the emotional turmoil that has to be going through here, I don't think either Denver or Portland can beat that team. But in the finals, whoever gets there out of the East, certainly a better shot than I believe before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not doesn't seem like a foregone conclusion, right? Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, and I'm not so sure it's going to be the Warriors after what we saw All last right. night. I'll uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Miller and Con to talk NBA uh, coming up here in about five minutes. We'll go to St. Louis in about 20 minutes. Oh. It's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword hockey to 200-200 right now to win a $1,000, your chance to win $1,000 cash. That's hockey to 200-200 standard message and data rates apply. Josh Martin on the NBA, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty kegs to know. Little double dose of the Rolling Stones today, Trent Condon. I'm helping you out. Indeed, you are. Uh, we're going to head to St. Louis in about twenty minutes. Preview Game Seven and do some Cardinals as they got back in the win column after being swept over the weekend. Let's do the NBA. Josh Martin, you can follow Josh on Twitter. How about this Twitter handle, Josh Martin NBA? Easy to remember. Uh, Josh, uh, good to talk to you again, Josh Martin. Trent and Ken in Des Moines. Thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing. Okay, doing pretty well. You know, Trent and I were talking about this before the break. Um, the last, the, the, the matchup that the television executives want least, it's got to be Portland and Toronto. How bad would that go over uh, if that indeed is the NBA final? Raptors and Portland. <laughs> oh, that would be a rough one for sure. Um, I mean, in Portland's case, you're talking about a, a mid-sized market in the Pacific Northwest, one that's often you know, forgotten in that way. Uh, and in Toronto, you have a, a Raptors team that um, I think there's some there's some complicated broadcasting uh, situations between the U.S. and Canada yes. with Raptors games. That's why you never really see Toronto on national TV here in the states, is because uh, you know ESPN and TNT, the main broadcast partners down here don't get quite the same kick from those games. But uh, obviously, if that were to somehow shake out as the finals pairing, I think it would be a really fun and interesting series. And uh, you get some really great matchups between great guards, you know, Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. Al Lowry, T.J. McCollum, Kawhi Leonard. So from, a, from a basketball perspective, I think it would be great. Uh, but obviously, from a business perspective, there are many, many other considerations that would come into play. No doubt about it. Josh, and of those two teams, I mean, if one of them is going to get to the final, is it more likely the Raptors out of the East? I would have to say that would be the way Vegas would uh, peg it, right? Oh, yeah, far and away. Uh, I mean, the Raptors, uh, they're an excellent team. Well, since at the very least, they have a guy in Kawhi Leonard who uh, might be might be the best playoff player in the Eastern Conference. You know, Giannis has had a tremendous playoff so far, obviously, but Kawhi, when you think of what he's done this this year and what his track record is of performing in the postseason, uh, he's been phenomenal. You know, the Blazers, you know, they're banged up. You know, they lost Yusuf Nurkic towards the end of the regular season. 
and his canter's playing with a bum shoulder. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're still playing well and they're still holding their own, but you know, getting past the Nuggets is not going to be a cakewalk by any means. And once they, assuming they were to emerge from that series, if they emerge from that series, then they'd likely have to face the Warriors. They might have to face the Houston Rockets. So I think the competition is just a little bit stiffer in the West for the Blazers than it would be in the East for the Raptors. Josh, we got three series that are tied up at two apiece. The one that isn't is Milwaukee now a game away from the conference finals as they take a 3-1 lead with the victory last night. I want to take a look, though, at the other side and the Celtics, a team that was put together with a whole lot of star pieces, young guys coming into their own. We saw Tatum last year had the big block of LeBron. It felt like this was the next star in the league. He has not played quite at that level this season. They got Brown out there, who has been better, I thought, this year at times. But still, overall, this group of pieces haven't worked. Is it as simple as Kyrie Irving, let him walk, and things will be fixed, and they'll be able to figure this out? Or is there more retooling that needs to be done for the Celtics? Well, I don't think it's as simple as letting one guy go, especially when that one guy is as talented as Kyrie Irving uh, and is definitely, by leaps and bounds, the best shot creator that the Celtics have. I don't think they get better by losing Kyrie Irving, but that, that might be the outcome one way or another. Uh, I don't think it's so much about retooling in this case. I think it's more about just growth because they have so many young players on the team that they rely on with Tatum and Brown, obviously at the top of that list. And, you know, Tatum is in his second season. Brown is in his third. These are still guys in their very early 20s who are learning the NBA game, who are working on their own games and trying to find their places within it. And, you know, that's not an easy ecosystem to be in if you're a young player trying to find your way and you're also trying to mesh into this team with championship aspirations that has really, really good veterans and, you know, Kyrie Irving, Al Horford, Gordon Hayward. You think of players like Tatum and Brown, they're typically on bad teams, getting lots of shots, lots of reps, lots of minutes, not having to look over their shoulder, you know, in the event that, you know, they screw up, that they're allowed to play through their mistakes that way. And that's just not been the case in Boston because the expectations are different and the talent around them is different in that way. So uh, it's just really an unusual situation all the way around for young players like that. So if you're the Celtics, um, you know, I, I think in any case, they're going to look to quote unquote retool. They're going to go after Anthony Davis and they're going to make those moves. But, you know, if they don't make any major moves, if they more or less stand pat and they're able to bring back Kyrie Irving, I think there still is a lot of room for improvement, both among individual players and for this collective group. Uh, Josh Martin is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter, at Josh Martin NBA. Josh, Trent and I tossed this around in the first hour. I want to get you to chime in on this. It's my opinion, and I think Trent came along with me, that right now the three most unstoppable players in the playoffs, and this is you know Joel Embiid, that, that one game out of every three when he's healthy and the knees aren't barking at him. I think Embiid, Giannis... Uh, and Kevin Durant are the three most unstoppable players, and that's no James Harden on that list, no Kawhi Leonard on that list, and probably maybe they should be. So those were my three, and all coincidentally or not, they're all bigs. Um, did we shortchange Harden or Leonard? Do they deserve on that, you know, in the top three? And if so, who do you remove to put your guy on if that's the way you want to go? Uh, I don't know that I would remove two from that list because I think you're right for the most part, but 
I think in, in talking about Embiid, you said one out of every three games, he's great, and I think that's a reason to right. sort of omit him to a certain extent. It's partly it's a it's a health thing, obviously, because you know he has knee issues, he has different physical problems, but um, you know also he can he can run into bad matchups and he can have struggle struggles getting around it. Whereas you look at James Harden, you know for the most part he finds a way to get it done. Kawhi Leonard has been phenomenal from start to finish really here for the Raptors. So I would put either of those guys and maybe both of those guys on a top four, let's say, ahead of Joel Embiid. Mm, we didn't bring up Curry in the list. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, the the amount of stars that we have in this playoffs as we get down to the final eight. You know, Josh, I wanted to get your opinion on this. You are day in, day out watching this league. Ken and I we work in a college market. We watch college basketball a lot more during the winter months than we do the NBA. And as we jump back into it and we get started again, really for us in April, I've just been so turned off by the combativeness between players and officials, the whining, the the calls, the, the James Harden, who I've never been a fan of, just I don't like his style of basketball. And I know I'm not alone. I don't know what the percentage is. I don't know how many people share that opinion, but... Is the NBA in a dangerous spot here? The player empowerment era, has it possibly gone too far? Um, I, it depends on the aspect. I mean, from a business perspective, I think it's great what the players are doing to further their own interests that way um, beyond the game and using the game as a platform to build themselves as, as individuals just in the world. Um, but I think there are, there, is, there are concerns within the game as far as yeah, with, with officiating in particular, how every player feels that they're they're mortally aggrieved at any time they they don't get a call or they disagree with a call. Um, I, I think part of it is is just the emotions of the game, and uh, it's that's part of what makes the game fun to watch is how much these guys care, and if they're going to care and they're going to be happy when and, and ecstatic when they make a great play or something great happens, then they're probably going to be mortified or angry or whatever when bad things happen or things that they disagree with happen or things that hurt their team happen. So um, I, I think it's, it's definitely a, a fine line. It's a tough thing to deal with, but it's something that the league definitely has to get a handle on and the players have to get a handle on because ultimately we've seen these situations like after game one of the series with the Warriors and the Rockets that, officiating becomes the story and now it's not just on the players part of that is on the officials um that you know you hope we'll we'll do a better job and in some cases need to do a better job of adjudicating the game and making sure they get as many of the calls right making sure that they that they keep things um calm that they keep the, the nature of play intact so i think there's there's really a lot of work to be done all the way around because there has been a a loss of, of experienced officials in recent years to retirement or moving into more management roles in the leagues. So there, there's a lot of factors at play here. And you just hope that at some point the league and the players are able to find a solution, find a way to move forward where uh, we don't wind up focusing so much on the officiating part of the game, and we can actually enjoy watching the game itself. Uh, Josh, my last thing for you. Let Trent finish up. Josh Martin uh, joining us, talking NBA again. Josh on Twitter at, at Josh Martin uh, NBA. 
Uh, you know what the NBA's got going for it, in my opinion, right now, is it doesn't seem like it's a foregone conclusion that the Golden State Warriors are yet again going to win this thing. I, I think we've got some intrigue. I don't know that uh, whoever comes out of the East is going to be fodder for whoever wins the West, like seemingly has been the case, other than that miraculous uh, Cavs comeback that one year, a few years back. I, I think that that's good for the NBA, that it's not a given that the Warriors are going to be the, the last team standing. Yeah, it's always good when there's mystery. It's always good when there's that sort of intrigue and we're not just thinking, oh, this is going to be a cakewalk here. And the Warriors are, and the Warriors are at that point sort of in their dynastic run where there's going to be a lot of gut checks. There's going to be, and there have been a lot of gut checks in a lot of instances where uh, the team has shown weaknesses and, the, and they've had to overcome obstacles. There, as much talent as the Warriors have, that's a lot of talent that's been to the finals year after year after year. And while that obviously confers a lot of great things like experience and championships and confidence and all that, that also takes a huge toll on the players mentally and physically, just the number of games they have to play year after year, the, the, uh, the wear and tear on their bodies, uh, the, the grind of it all from day to day, week to week, month to month. And you see it playing out, you know, Curry's been banged up. Clay Thompson's been banged up. You know, Andre Iguodala came down funky and was limping uh, after, during last night's game in Houston. So uh, the Warriors are, are a juggernaut still, but they are by no means invincible. That doesn't mean they're not going to win, but it just means that to get there uh, may be a bit more arduous than what some folks might otherwise expect. Final thing for you, and I know you do a lot with the Lakers. There are Lakers fans all over the place. Yes, even here in central Iowa. Let's uh, give us an overview. Looks like Ty Lue is going to be the guy that gets that head coaching job. But this offseason, the importance of of getting help for LeBron, what's it looking like for the Lakers? I guess we'll see once we get closer to July. So many of the Lakers' targets are currently embroiled in the playoffs. And while certainly folks can have their fun speculating what one game result or other game result means for a player's long-term future, uh, I'm a little hesitant to play that game because you know, these are these are major life decisions we're talking about, uh, and I don't think I don't think that sort of stuff is necessarily determined by a few games that happen in spring. So um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, really, a lot of it now is just about the Lakers getting their own house in order because things have been so disheveled. You know, getting a head coach installed. You know, determining how they want the front office culture to look how they want the front office to operate with Magic Johnson gone and who's going to rise into different roles and how is Rob Palenka, the GM, going to run things. So there's a lot of other questions and concerns that the Lakers can have, have to answer before they can turn their full attention to who else is going to play with LeBron next year. Good stuff, Josh Martin. Thank you for coming on. Uh, look forward to doing it uh, again uh, before these playoffs wrap up. Thanks, Josh. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Good to talk to Josh Martin. Follow him on Twitter. Josh Martin NBA. Josh Martin NBA. Are you one of those Laker fans? No. A little bit? No. I mean, I guess. Like in the 80s when you had to either be Celtics or Lakers. That was was really the choice. I was Lakers. So I I guess. Maybe Sixers. In the 80s? A few. Yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was pretty much all. You're either a Lakers fan or a Celtics Mm -hmm. fan. And then Dr. J moved the needle. Then I had to be a little different. And I really like the Nuggets teams of that time with Kiki Vandeway and Alex Dan English. Dan Issel. That'd score 160 points and lose 172 to 160. Yeah. 
So, yeah, and then I became a Dikembe Mutombo fan afterwards. Get your weak game out of here. (laughs) Down to St. Louis, we come back. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Going to head to St. Louis. One of the focal points of the sports world tonight. Game 7. Yes. Blues, Stars, Phillies, Cardinals down the street about what? A quarter of a mile? Maybe a half a mile between the two venues. You can certainly walk it. I have many mm-hmm. times. when do there for the Valley Tournament, staying at one of the Hilton properties. Uh, and let's go to St. Louis. And Josh, uh, Josh, Rodney, I hope I'm saying your last name right. Is it Nupal? Nupal? Yes. Nupal, yeah. Nupal. It's one of those I've got wrong all my life. So you guys can call me whatever you want. Well, we're glad to have you. And we hope we'll call you again after this and you'll take our phone call. Uh, because yeah, it's like, awesome. it, look, it, it's, it's a big spot, St. Louis tonight. Let's do the hockey first and then we'll get to the cards. Game number seven. Um, I'm a, I'm a Jets fan, so I know how well this, uh, this Blues team has been playing as they knocked off my guys in six and doing it on the road. They have been so good on the road, yet game seven in downtown St. Louis tonight in an evenly matched, uh, evenly matched series. Both teams have been very good. Um, maybe Bennington, the difference in this game tonight, you expect it to be a tight one. Yeah, I do expect it to be a tight one. And, and I've said all along, I think this could be a, a 19 game series and it would probably go to game 19. That's how, mm-hmm. that's how even they are. And, you know, we saw the standings most of the year. You know, I know the Blues were way back, but, you know, these two teams finished real close in the standings too. So I think these are real, two real tight teams. Uh, the, the concern for the Blues obviously is their play at home. I mean, game five, they look pretty flat and Dallas absolutely destroyed. I mean, they didn't destroy them. We had the scoreboard, but dominated the game. So concern is you got to play better at home and concern is, you're going to have to find a way to score on the power play, and that's something they've struggled with Dallas so far. I think that power play goal one way or the other could be a deciding factor in tonight's game, along with Jordan Bennington, who, who has been fantastic. And then let's see what Ben Bishop looks like his first few minutes right. of the game tonight. Cause I'm not convinced that he's 100% healthy. Nor am I. The shoulder, right, is, uh, from the other day. I, I'm with you. That's going to be uh, that's going to be something to watch. Well, is the start of this game critical tonight? I mean, do you obviously you want to you want to jump on top of them and put the keep the home crowd into it. But is it critical? Because every time I watch this Blues team, you know they 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 fall down, they come right back. They take a lead that gets tied up, they retake the lead. So resilient is what we've seen so far out of these Blues, Rodney. Yeah, and, and certainly the you know the first goal is important. I believe the stand is five out of the six so far. The first goal has ended up winning the game, and we have seen the Blues come back. And I, I certainly think they're a team that could come back. You, and I know the cliche is the worst lead in hockey is a two is two goal lead, yeah. but I, if either team gets down two goals tonight, I think they've got way too much work on their hands with the way each team's playing defensively. That I, if somebody gets up two goals. I mean, I, I'm not ready to what the Seth Davis Sharpie quite yet, but I think I think the team has a real good chance, obviously, of winning the game. So uh, a good start is, is always the key, and I think tonight, obviously, game seven, keep that crowd going. I mean, 
you feel something special in the air in St. Louis. Now, whether they win a cup or get to the get to the cup or whatever, you feel you feel it a little bit. So if you can get that energy rolling and keep it rolling, uh, good things could happen tonight in St. Louis. You know, we know it's a Cardinals town, obviously, and but this is playoff hockey. They made the run of the conference finals what four years ago, and uh, before they were upended there by the Sharks. How behind the city, behind this Blues team, is the city as a whole? And just the excitement leading into tonight's Game 7. Yeah, I mean, we've been starving for, you know, that chance. Obviously, it was 2016. You know, and it's funny thing is, the, the Blues beat the, beat the Stars in Game 7 of this round mm-hmm. oh, yeah. back in 2016. It was a 6-1 game. I, I, my blood pressure would take a 6-1 <laughs> Blues win tonight. I can tell you that. It, I, I would be much happier with a 6-1 win tonight. But, yeah, I mean... You know, we see glimpses every so often, but then last year the Blues weren't even good enough to make the playoffs. And, and I understand that's the National Hockey League. It is, it's up and it's down. But, you know, I, I kind of compare it to, you know, we don't we don't really like to talk Cubs much in St. Louis or in Central <laughs> Illinois at all, but uh, it kind of compares it a little bit, a mini version of the Cubs. I mean, the Blues have had chances but never really got that cup. And we've seen with, with the Cardinals, what happens with the Cardinals win it all. I there's going to be a huge, huge celebration if the Blues can ever get those 16 postseason wins. And, and St. Louis right now is feeling it. I mean, they're, they're almost halfway there. Indeed they are. You know, what? when I look at this Blues team, and, and, and I think back, and there was a point that they were the 31st-ranked team out of 31 teams. And I look at this roster, and I don't see – I mean, every team's got a superstar, right? A Nathan McKinnon or or, or uh, you know, go through whatever team that's still left standing. They've got their superstar. Ryan O'Reilly's a really nice player. But I don't put him in that – and maybe I'm shortchanging him a little bit. This is just a team that's come together under Craig Berube, who was as tough an SOB that ever played the game, as you think back to his playing career. Am I shortchanging this team? Tarasenko would be in that list, but, you know, he's been hot and cold – um, certainly Jamie Ben and Sagan on the other side of the uh on the well on the in the other bench, their superstar level. Am I shortchanging this blues team thinking that there's really not that over the top superstar, but just a team of grinders that just have found a way to win? Yeah, I think you're probably right. I don't necessarily think you're overlooking. I mean I mean Vladimir Tarasenko is probably the probably the star name mm-hmm. in St. Louis. You know, St. Louis fans love Tarasenko because he's you know, he's the goal scorer. But, you know, they also appreciate a guy like Ryan O'Reilly, even Maroon, who came over this year, Tyler Bozak came over this year, because of their toughness. And, you know, I think one thing we've seen, you know, obviously with the Cardinals and now with the Blues, and even when the Rams were still in town, is like St. Louis fans would really cling on to the guys that would just play tough. Just just whether whether or not you're bringing championships or not, if, if you're tough, you continue to go out there every single night, play hard, and play what you know, a lot of people consider the right way, you're going to be loved. So you know that's that's why Ryan O'Reilly is kind of that guy. But Andre Tarasenko is uh, is a good goal scorer, but he's certainly not in the elite goal scoring level yet. And I don't know if he'll ever get there. Uh, but one thing about this year's Blues team, as opposed to the last, is they have a lot of guys that can score, and that's kind of been their thing over the last several years. Not going as far as they as they'd like to is they just didn't have enough scoring. I think this year's team does. And obviously, we'll see here in the next couple of days, obviously tonight, but I, I think this year's team has enough scoring, just not that one guy. Rodney, let's jump over to a little baseball hockey game seven tonight with the Blues against the Stars. 
jumping into the baseball side of things, the weekend, well, you, you said the name, so I'll bring it up to you, the Cubs. That sweep, it's a series in early May. How much did that sting? Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is, is Cardinal. I mean, the last three or four years, Cardinals kind of used to it. And Cardinal fans are kind of used to it. Like, as much as we don't really want to admit it as Cardinal fans, like, we're still a step below the Cubs until proven different, you know, and that's going to have to be in the postseason. I mean, they, they got us in 2015. Obviously, they went on and won it in 2016. So we're still a step below the Chicago Cubs. And, and Wrigley's never been a friendly place for the Cardinals. It just hasn't. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. It seems like the Cubs always find ways to play really well there. Cardinals find all their terrible mistakes there. Uh, it, it stings, but it, you know Milwaukee beat them pretty good early in the year too. And this year's Cardinal teams bounce back, and especially when they get back home. I mean, this is a team that has the best home record in the National League, thirteen and four at home. You know, if they continue to, to play really well at home and just five hundred on the road, they should be fine. And you know, you never know. You get up a five game or seven game series against the Cubs in the postseason. You, you never know. So it, it stings, but you know, last night it did really thing too much for the players. I mean, I mean, they played really well against Philadelphia. So, yeah, it stinks. It stinks the fans get beat by the Cubs, that's for sure. Hmm. How much credit uh, should uh, Mike Schilt get for this really turnaround? Because when they fired Matheny, they weren't playing well, um, and they, they, they've taken how they finished last year and really carried that over. I mean, this is a tough team. I think this race is going to be fascinating, and you got to throw the Brewers in, too, because I don't think they're going away. We believe, fully believe that we're going to have a three-team race here uh, in the Central Division, which would be great. But how about Shilton? The job is he has done, and what's he done differently that these players seemingly are responding to him? Yeah, it, it, real quick, I, I think all three Central teams could win 90 games uh, before I get the shell. I, I think they could, and I think they will. And I think we could see three in all Central teams in the postseason. I just I look around the National League, and I don't I don't see another consistent second-place divisional finish team that's going to win more than 90. But Mike Schultz is tremendous, mostly because he, he, held, he holds the guys accountable. He communicates well with them. I mean, the, the players know what he expects. And, you know, I don't I'm not always a big believer in the you know the consistent lineup, but Mike Matheny was throwing 120 different lineups at him. It seems like you know the Cardinals this year. You, you know where you're going to be batting. You know where you're going to be playing. You know what to expect from Mike. You know, if you're Jose Martinez, you know you're probably going to get taken out in the sixth, seventh inning for defense. You, you accept it until you get better. And I, I think accountability and knowing what what to expect. Whether Mike Matheny wasn't doing those things or not, I, I think they're they're gelling and, and finding out more from Mike Schilt that, that they needed. And, and, and really what it comes down to is there's a lot of guys playing better under Mike Schilt. And, you know, that makes the manager look good when guys play well. That's a simple point to it. But he's done a great job of, of setting the boat and communicating and, and keeping them accountable. Final thing for you, as I watched Yachty hit another home run last night, ageless wonder. He's 36 now. I mean, catchers at this point, almost every single one of them have broken down. But he's still doing it with the bat. He still obviously does it back behind the plate. How much longer can he go playing that position and playing it at such a high level? Yeah, I mean, he's still got a couple years left on his contract. I keep thinking eventually they're going to, you know, they're going to possibly move into like first base. But now Mm -hmm. it's Paul Goldsmith there for the next five years. That's what's going to be happening. Uh, So, you know, I I, I wish I knew. I hope he can play until he's, you know, 39, 40 years old and 
need you to play at this level. What is he batting about two seventy five? Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll take that out of your thirty six mm-hmm. catcher all day, every day. So, you know, it's it's fun, and he's going to be obviously a, you know a, a a stand the man there for years. I mean, he's, I know he doesn't have the numbers that Stan had, but he's going to be he's going to be a Cardinal legend, Cardinal great for years. I think after Pujols left, that's kind of what every you know all Cardinal fans are like. Oh, please say, you know, we need we needed we need that next guy. You know, because a lot of these Cardinal legends, you know, if you watch Opening Day, they're pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> they, they're pretty old. Mm-hmm. The Gibson's, the Brocks, all those guys are pretty old. So, you know, Yachty's that next guy, and he's been tremendous. And uh, I, I go back and forth with people. I think he's a, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't know what you guys do. You guys yes, know. yeah. I think he is, but I'm a little biased. No, you know, I, I, we do too. And we, we just to pick up on something you said that that tradition, that opening day tradition, of bringing in the greats, uh, that uh, one of the better uh, opening day uh, traditions, if you will, that in, in all of baseball. Just love it, Rodney. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Glad we found you, Rodney Newpool, as he as we talk St. Louis sports. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks. Good show, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. And we'll do that again. Good stuff there on Game 7 tonight, Blues and the Stars. I got it, Trent. You got the hoops tonight. Can I watch uh, our baseball teams play each other, too? Yeah, let me know how that goes. I know. I already know the answer. Not going to go well for my squad. In all likelihood. I'm enjoying this baseball season. I bet you are. You should be, man. You got a first place team that you root for. And I'm going to enjoy the hoops, too. Uh, Good night. They've been great so far. Murph and Andy today at 2. Fanatics at 4. The Rush will start it all again tomorrow at 6. Thanks for being here. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.